Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church. Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And this morning, some of us are in the Cape Cod branch. <laughs> so, and our subject today is the universe, including man, evolved by atomic force. And we welcome you all. We're so glad you could join us. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'll be reading from page 295 of Science and Health. A hundred of watches, prayers, and arguments, and 56 of the Blue Book. God creates and governs the universe, including man. The universe is filled with spiritual ideas, which he evolves, and they are obedient to the mind that makes them. God governs all, is all in all, God is our constant guide and guardian. No mortal thought, known or unknown, seen or unseen, can interfere with the manifestation of love's presence with us. The weather manifests God's government, and no evildoers can change this fact. The devils of human thought, all the powers of many minds, are powerless in love's presence. God is all, God is mind. All is love, peace, and harmony. Heaven is right here. Truth reigns. There is no strife. Peace be still. Truth has destroyed the error. Love has destroyed all hate. All is peace. Love and joy. Run and not be weary. The need of the hour is simplicity, meekness, and obedience. Mary Baker Eddy. Beautiful. Yes, thank you very much. It's beautiful. All right, our, mor our morning, <laughs> our week's watching point. Watch number 189. Watch lest you go to the pool of Bethesda with a thimble as measuring your spiritual desire. This illustration should awaken thought to the error involved in a limited application of God's infinite power. A limited trust in truth or a limited application of its power will not result in much spiritual growth. Why limit the power of spiritual thought? This is Eddie tells us in Science and Health that it reaches over continent and ocean to the globe's remotest bounds. Shall we limit its power to heal in a few sick bodies or a few bothersome ills? Let us eschew any belief of infinite use of infinite good. Once in working for a patient, the following lines came to my, into my thought. In the midst of my darkness, my sore heart cried out, O oh, Father, make haste, put the devil to rout. Come down as I travail and ease my dread pain, so that I may go forth and be useful again. My child, 
Hear my words which thy master hath given. All ye that do labor, come up unto heaven. Ask not for my greatness to come down to thee. Arise from thy littleness up unto me. End quote. Thank you. And that leads us right into our, um, well, let's start. Well, you can read the golden text, please. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. Thank you. It's very comforting to realize that it's all done in wisdom and understanding. No mistakes in our, in our beautiful universe. Now, the first part in the Bible, Psalm, praise ye the Lord. We have a few forum comments on that, and it's important. So, Karen, you want to speak to that first, please? goes with the watching point. Can you uh, hear me? Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay. Um, yes, I I love this praise of saying it all, all week. <laughs> but, um, and I accidentally, I meant to put five verses of, of Psalm 148, but it, uh, the first five verses of Psalm 148. Um, the first one being, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord of the heavens. Praise him in the heights. And Spurgeon, I liked his comments about this. Spurgeon commentary says there are five hallelujah psalms at the end of the book. They are so named because they begin and conclude with hallelujah, praise the Lord. He is charmed with the prayers of his people. They hold him. They prevail with him. He will do anything for them who know how to pray. Prayer moves the arm that moves the world. That's a quote from John Arkham, Aitken Wallace. Uh, there is an eye that never sleeps. The Lord's people bring him pleasure. What is there in us which the Lord can take pleasure? Nothing, unless he has put it there. If he sees any beauty in us, it must be the reflection of his face. The Lord takes pleasure in us not only because of all that all he has done, but because he sees something in us that he pleases him, something that is his own work. And then more and more I've seen the importance of being grateful and joyful, no matter what we're confronted with or activity we're doing. To praise God continually, as much as we are able to be in the presence of God, as much as we are able is to be in the presence of God. And then a quote from Unity, or oneness with God, a unity which sin recognizes as its most potent and deadly enemy. Yes, I love that. Thank you. It's a great, great quote from Mrs. Eddy. Deadly enemy when we praise God because it, it shoves the arrow out. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't it in that article by Eustace um, where he, he said it in that uh, Episcopalian church and the minister looked at a very old, old Bible and the pages that were the least worn were the ones of praising God. In other words, it's something that men least do. And so we can counteract that by doing it a lot. You know, I just finished reading the latest newsletter 
Jim and Carol put together. And Jim is so sweet. Every single article is all praising God. Everything, the beauty of where he lives, and he's so happy, and he's watching the construction workers, and there's a path by the daffodils so everyone can see the daffodils. And he's just such a happy spirit, and he's praising God always. So if you're not happy, then you better up your praising God quotient. It's sure to work. And that's why Jim is still chugging along, doing what he's doing and help and benefiting everybody around him. That's it. Absolutely. It never fails. It does not fail. And see, Patricia and her, her forum comment um, about this, she said, I understood this to mean that we must pray outward, proceed from the heavens see ourselves all from the standpoint of the heavens, perfect manifestation of God. It's a good point because it is saying, praise ye the Lord, praise ye the Lord from the heavens, not looking down, praising up, but from the heavens, the very selves. And then, and then um, Gary will read what Parthens wrote because it sort of goes with it as well. Yeah, Parthens writes... Uh... Quote, it is a slightly arresting notion that if you were to pick yourself apart with tweezers, one atom at a time, you would produce a mound of fine atomic dust, none of which had ever been alive, but all of which had once been you. And that's a quote from A Short History of Nearly Everything by Bill Bryson, whose book uh, would be better titled A Short Her History of Nearly Everything According to the Five Personal Senses. In other words, a short excursion into self-contradiction and nothingness. Jesus said to his learned, materially-minded persecutors, quote, ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world, end quote. John 8, verse 23. The man from above said to his disciples, in my father's house, consciousness, are many mansions, higher houses, increasingly higher states and stages of consciousness. I go to prepare a place for you. Where I go, you cannot come as of now, but I go to prepare that place for you. And after that, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am above, that ye were there, ye shall be also. In other words, you shall dwell forever settled in the consciousness of the Most High, the Great I Am. Thus, as they grew in grace, the disciples no longer thought of the Father's house, but thought from it. And quote from science and health, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house, the consciousness of love forever, end quote. These are beautiful thoughts that are expressed in this lesson and, and also in that watching point, that you're not some feeble mortal looking up, but God's precious image and likeness looking out from heaven. 
from his mansions, from his estate. But it requires work to, to do that and to get there. It just isn't handed to us. I don't know. I didn't ask if anyone had any comments about the watching point or about anything we've discussed so far. Well, I was just thinking that as we arise from our littleness, we become those stars of light that praise him. Yes. Which is a a wonderful change from how I thought of myself before. So. <laughs> well, it's a wonderful change from what a lot of old theology teaches as well. Yeah, I thought, you know, the, the, the text, the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, and by understanding hath he established the heavens. God, God knows what he's doing. God doesn't make mistakes. And he doesn't make, he didn't make a mistake with you or me or anybody else. God doesn't make mistakes. So if we think, if we see things that are wrong, what are we seeing? We're seeing the illusion of the Adam dream. And we have every right and ability to say, no way, I'm not going to believe you. I'm not going to accept you. And I'm not going to get down in the mud and wrestle with you. I'm going to rise above it and realize God's allness and my manifestation as his image and likeness. And I will accept nothing else. And if you start each day that way, you're going to have a pretty good day. I think uh, that's why he said that perfect God, perfect man is the basis of thought and demonstration. He didn't say imperfect man or being perfect God. Yeah. Thank you. That's a, yes. Yeah, thank you. It's not perfect God and imperfect man struggling to, to rise above his mortality. No. Occasionally you accidentally get it right. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy also says that um, we should know that neither person, place, nor claim of circumstances can stand between me and God. This is in the blue book, which means all the time, this oneness with God must be prevalent in our thinking. That's beautiful. What page is that? Uh, 237. Thank you. Yes. But I like what he, uh, the no claim of circumstances because, yeah. yeah. It, it always is claiming circumstances. <laughs> That's why you can't do it or get there or whatever it's your circumstances well and that's why you can't blame others for your circumstances because you have the you have the ability therefore the responsibility to do something about it what is so wonderful about christian science and we talked about this a few weeks ago about we we're given the keys of paradise the dominion over all things. And that's what this lesson is about on atomic force. It's the dominion over it all, but we don't exercise that dominion. And we're going to get into it because we need to. Um, we have this little weather committee in Plainfield. You know, Mrs. Eddie had people, students in her home, always working on the weather every day. 
Every day they worked on the weather. They didn't wait until some calamity happened. They worked every day to exercise their dominion over weather conditions. Now, I know I, when we had that storm Sandy a few years ago, I realized I needed to do much better work on the weather because New Jersey, for the most part, has pretty good weather. And I never, kind of took it for granted until that happened. I had, holy Moses. Um, and ever since then, that sobered me up in the book Memoirs of Mary Baker Eddy by Adam Dickey. He tells of how when he first went to work in Mrs. Eddy's home, it was in early February, and he was delayed getting there because of a very bad snowstorm. And when he got there, um, Calvin Fry and others were inquiring about it and um, because they said Mrs. Eddy would not allow bad weather conditions, especially conditions that delay and, and cause havoc. And um, she had her metaphysicians working all the time with this. And I guess he was able to tell her, well, it wasn't just located in that Boston area, but it was a much larger area. But in our work for the weather and our work, all our work, we include every place, don't we? Not just our own area, but we certainly make sure we're working for our own area, but then every place. Um, and one, and you all should study this chapter in Mary Baker Eddy, Her Spiritual Footsteps by Gilbert Carpenter. It's chapter 62, in which he goes into and explains the working of the weather. And Shardy, Shardy tell us about it. Well, there are two main points from that chapter that you just said, the first one, that she used the weather as a training ground for man to reinstate himself as having dominion over the earth. She says earth, and but it's all under God's dominion. And it goes always back to cause, which goes to effect. And then the other thing that she did in hand, having her students handle the weather, that it's universal, as you also pointed out. It's love, and it's devoid of any personality. What blesses one, blesses all. And that's also for Mrs. Eddie. I have one thing I'd like to give I read uh, sure. one quote mm -hmm. from her. And she said, when I have made the storm disappear, I did not argue there are no clouds. I said, God's face is there, and I see it. And the storm would break and disappear. And also another thing that it's all based on the Christ. And at the very end of the chapter, you will see, or hear, that it says, when, upon handling the weather, when Jesus was called upon it, he said, peace be still. However, he was not addressing the weather, but the thought from which the storm proceeded. He brought peace to cause, and it was expressed in effect as inevitably as an object casts its shadow when the sun shines upon it. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank yes. You. Yes. We're not manipulating or praying that our will be done, um, uh, you know, that we want a sunny day or whatever we think we want. Um, but we're letting God, God's dominion over all things prevail. And that includes the weather. And he gives his children exactly 
exactly what they need, not too much or too little of anything, when you let his dominion prevail. Now it is just the human mind. I saw with Storm Sandy, I've never felt such malice in a storm like that. It was raging. And I am, um, you know, I remember it was right before an election, right? Mm, sure. Yes, it was before an election, a lot of turmoil in, in our nation was going on. And that hit a lot of the northeastern states. Uh, and we were without power for over a week. Our church never missed a service, however. <laughs> we prevailed as well. But, um, but it taught me a big lesson, what we can do and should do in this work, preventative work. And I know I've heard in the Midwest, there's drought, dryness, um, and a lot of heat in California, the West Coast. All these things cause various problems. So get on the proactive side of this working so we don't have these catastrophes. As scientists, we can do this. And I love in this book, well, in Spiritual Footsteps, Chapter 62, he talks about the, you know, a dog being chased by a kitten. And then all of a sudden, a car goes by or something, and then the kitten turns around and starts chasing the dog. <laughs> well, he brings out the fact about dominion. And I just, I want to read some things here, too. It must be thoroughly understood that man, as divine love created him, is God's representative or the channel through which the power of God flows out into the universe. And without man, God would no more be operative than would the laws of the nation without representatives to enforce them. Through mortal mesmerism, man has been induced to accept the suggestion that the laws of nature have supremacy over the laws of God with the consequence that, as Science and Health says, listen to this, because this is how we think of ourselves, quote, man becomes the most absolutely weak and inharmonious creature in the universe, end quote. Thus man is tricked into sitting by and believing that since the control of all external effects has been taken out of his hands, he is perfectly powerless in his own universe, what must one do to regain his birthright of supremacy? Must he not recognize his dominion over the universe as the son of God and then establish himself as a channel so that the normal government of the universe by the divine power he reflects will become an evident fact? In this process, there is the danger that mortal man will attempt to resume a place of control without putting off a human sense and taking on the divine mind. Mrs. Eddy foresaw such a situation. She unfolds it on page 96 of Science and Health when she writes of conflicting forces, discord, and dismay, but adds that those who discern Christian science will hold crime in check. See, in this work, in all the work we do, it's got to be the dominion of God not our dominion, because that this is what happens, and that's how we just mess everything up. We think we're doing it. We want to take control. We want what we want, and God gets left out of the picture. 
we've got to submit to God and his dominion and his plan. And then we can exercise this dominion. And then it, go ahead. No, that's why he says meekness and obedience, not some power of our own. We don't have any of our own. Yeah, this is, yeah it's a test of our humility, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Whether we can actually do that. And that's why my favorite thing in working for the weather is, like was read already, um, to see God's face in the clouds. And it takes human will out of it. It takes my planning out of it. It puts God right in the middle. That's where it's all going on. It's in yes. God. <clears throat> and as, as most of you know this, here in Plainfield, we've been working on the weather for years. We, we got these books early on. We read and studied and, and exercise it. It's just a matter of making sure we are doing it and staying ahead of the game and not letting things get out of hand. And as we've talked about, I believe it was last week, I mean, sometimes we can't prevent certain things from happening as, as much as we work and pray. But we will know then that because of our work, it was much better than it would have been if we hadn't been praying. That we absolutely know, and we must know that. May I say, well, sure. we were supposed to have a storm in Plainfield last week. 60 miles an hour wind, loss of electricity, lots of rain, thunder, and lightning. Now, it, thund- it thundered, and there was one bolt of lightning. But then, nothing. was in pieces. Yes. Had the same in Georgia. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That storm that... I talked about in my testimony last week. It got really, really black that day. And that was the same day as the primary voting, too. So oh, yes. after, you know, once I got back into my garage and I sat there working, that was most of it. Just no, no need for fear, no need for anger, no turmoil. God is in control. And we had a... It was a lovely rain, honestly. It and was. It was dark. It was, it was lovely. So, just. And the, the rain, a good drenching rain is important. Yeah, I was telling Gary, well, we, we've moved to a certain place. We've been there five years now. Every time I've gone to vote, it's been pouring rain. <laughs> I don't think that's a coincidence because people, a lot of people stay home when it's raining, right? Mm-hmm. So um, this work is so important. We must... Keep it up. And that reminds me, too, in reading this this newsletter, dear um, Jim wrote, a forest fire. Sunday afternoon, smoke appeared above the Wallapai Mountains that are located 12 miles south of Kingman, where he lives. As the afternoon progressed, a column of smoke increased in size, a definite forest fire. Monday saw a continuation of the column of smoke. The Wallapai Pies are extremely rugged, and many parts are impossible for firefighters to reach. Although this is the time of year when we do not get a drop of rain, what should appear on Tuesday morning but a gentle rain? It continued most of the morning. Thank you, Shepherd, for that off-season rain that quenched the flames, proving God is ever-present. Mm-hmm. It's his sweet thought. And you can do that for your area. So, Sweetie Pies, if you're not, you get where you are. All of you, so many of you have been in the church for a long time now. 
you've got to take on this practice work. You've got to start doing this work. You can't rely on somebody else to do it. New people, absolutely, yes. And, and this is why we have these roundtables to teach you all how to do it. I know other religions say, oh, well, Jesus did it, walked on, you know, excuse me, still the storm and that sort of thing those days, but we can never do that now. That's simply not true. We also know of government, governments, including our own in the United States, that experiment with weather and do things like that. We've, all of this plays in to our work. Hopefully they're doing good things, but I don't, without God in it, again, human control, man's control is not God's control. We own the ace card. Don't forget it. We will trump it all if we play that card and use it. Get out of our littleness. Get out yeah. of our littleness, yes. And be up up there in the Father's mansion, working out, out from that. Not as the weakest. I, that was so, I remember that statement in Science and Health, where we just become the weakest um Absolutely weak and inharmonious creature in the universe. Just poor, pitiful people. So when you work, work out from heaven, not up to heaven. Because heaven is within you. Just look for it, find it, and live it. It's there. Thank you. And how much we deny God if we don't do that. If we're not working from that level we're denying god no yes, yes we are that's right and that is, especially if we've been here a while <laughs> especially if we've been here a while we have a bigger responsibility because we've been here we've been taught these things we've have we have science and health um we have all these things to help us we darn well better be doing this work now yeah in the lesson again it talks about God, all that he does, he holds our hand, he keeps us, he keeps a covenant, a light for the Gentiles. He opens the blind eyes, brings out the prisoner from the prison, them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. He preserveth them all. The host of heaven worships thee. And I know many of you sometimes feel as if you are in a prison house. Well, God will bring you out of it. Never fear. Never fear, he will. Now, in the Matthew 11 section of our lesson, it speaks about some very interesting things, which, which lets us know why we do feel so weak and helpless. All right, Jeremy, tell us about that. <clears throat> well, when I read it, I, I felt like the first time I'd really taken it in, <laughs> you know, when Jesus went in and started upbraiding the cities, saying, woe unto thee. I'm like, wow, those are some powerful words. But then I started thinking about, you know, he's he spent a long time living the science, doing good works, healing. And if these people wanted to continue in those in that harmonious atmosphere that he was bringing, they were going to have to change their ways or, or, you know, bring this on themselves. But then it also got me thinking about all the people that get into 
start talking about Christianity. I mean, I mostly honestly thought of my mom when I was young, but it was instantly to rebuke and you're not good enough. And well, explain briefly what's going on in this story. Oh, okay. So yeah, he he, he goes in. He he tells them that it you know if you don't change your ways, it's going to be better what happened to Sodom than what happens to you. And Sodom would have changed if they had the same goodness that had come to them. So, And these are the cities where he did a lot of healing work. Yeah. And the people were still, you know, they hadn't, hadn't really taken it in. Not only that, some of the leaders enraged their opposition to what he was doing even more fiercely because of what he did. It exposed their littleness, if you want to say. But the, the, still, the requirement was, hey, here is the example, the model to follow. Let's do something in our own lives to allow this spirit that moved him to move us, too, if we would let it in. Yes. Especially when he's there teaching. He, yeah. he, he wants people to learn. He's not hiding anything. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Instead, they threw up the blockades even more intensely. So. So he's upbraiding them. And well, they deserved it. Um, Carrie sent me some things from Gill's commentary and also Benson's commentary. And it, it makes a point of um, Capernaum, particularly, is where he cured the centurion's servant, recovered Peter's wife's mother from a fever, healed the man sick of palsy, raised Uriah's daughter from the dead, made whole the woman that had a bloody issue, opened the eyes of two blind men, cast out devil from a, a devil from a dumb man, possessed with one. All these and more he did in this one city, and therefore he might justly upbraid them. Right? Think about it. And think about today. Why are we in this fix where we do feel like such helpless people? All of these wonderful things go on day after day after day. And what do we think about? <laughs> it's in all the newspapers, everybody. Oh, and then, and so there's no God. How can I believe in a God when there's such tragedy? Why does he send such tragedy? <laughs> Why does he send such tragedy? This terrible storm, just because I was beating my neighbor up, had nothing to do with it. <laughs> or just because I, uh, you know, refused to believe the teachings of Christ Jesus had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Never mind the envy, the malice, hate, or revenge. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Or that I allow the taking the Bible out of the schools. Children can't pray in school. Do I tolerate that? Well, I'm going to pay a price if I do. And the kids are paying a price, too. The kids pay an awful price. No one wants to take responsibility for their wrong actions. They want to own. Yeah, so if I let the devil take control, well, guess what? I haven't done my duty. Right. God, to my leader, and to mankind. And you see, we as Christian scientists, it's the same thing. Um, you know, look at all the healings that Mrs. Eddy did, all the healings 
that have gone on since her time through Christian science. If we don't take advantage of that, if we don't devote our whole hearts, minds, and souls to this, well, heck, then you get what you deserve. And if I don't obey what's in science and health, if I don't obey what's in the Bible, and if I don't obey what is in the manual, I can't expect good things to happen. And it's also said that to whom much is given, much is required, something like that. So mm -hmm. a lot has been given, so we have something to do for we the do. world. We yeah. do. And people have said, oh, this, this is awful. You know, his, his rebukes were terrible. Well, yes, yes. And this Benson commentary said, Again, Capernaum in particular, woe unto thee, that is, miserable art thou. And then, for these are not curses or imprecations, as has been commonly supposed, but a solemn, compassionate declaration of the misery they were bringing on themselves. <laughs> you see, when you get rebuked or when you hear rebukes, oh, it's just terrible, I'm not listening to that. So it's a warning. The misery you will bring on yourself if you continue in this way. That, and that is compassion. And that's what it says here. Compassionate. Solemn and compassionate declarations. And that is how it is. And, and people who take it wrong and, and think that, oh, goodness, that didn't sound loving. Well, that's, that's really taking it wrong. <laughs> you're not getting the point. And you'll lose out if you don't. And that means your pride is so much bigger than your humility yeah. to listen. And to think of Christ Jesus' good works being so much that the fame went all around Syria. And the time before, <laughs> you know, the Internet and TV and radio, that just word of mouth, people were like, this guy's doing amazing things come see yes. you know and it just for all that to go on and still to have so few records yes and and this i'm telling you this is the negativity of the human mind it is it is intrinsically negative and when you're feeling negative that's a flag you're in the wrong mind when it's all always me and everything's bad you're not in the right mind it is negative 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 it sees what's bad and terrible you can have two people experience the same thing or see the same thing one will see something beautiful and lovely and wonderful and the other oh <laughs> is that not true i'm it sure is. you've all experienced yeah yeah Mrs. Lines of clarity in Science and Health, where he says that the the mortal mind transforms the spirit into the matter, and then tries to find man's original nature and escape from this mortality. Well, it doesn't work that way. The way it works is when this method yields to divine inspiration, and it's the yielding that's necessary. And if you do, God will take over and do his part, and he's doing it all the time. He is doing it all the time without exception. Everyone, everywhere. Everyone, everywhere. And that's why the prayer, humility and obedience. 
can do those two things, you're okay. You're safe. And that's why praising is so important because the joy, the love for God, when you praise God, you're, you're, you're praising life, you're praising truth, you're, you're, you're praising divine principle, you're praising love, and those are powerful forces. Mm-hmm. You're also acknowledging the supremacy. Yeah. You're putting into operation in your own life the only powerful force there is in the universe. And it, and it eliminates anything else that would try to appear to be a force in your life. And if you're miserable, just give all this an honest try. And I guarantee that eight years and a couple of days later, you'll be super, super happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, for those that wait for good things to happen in their own eyes before they're going to start praising, they're missing the whole point here. You know, to start right is to end right. So for those that are praising God, even when things seem to be going wrong, he's the one for whom soon things will go right. Yeah, and Jesus was the example for that as well, wasn't he? Because when he was faced with people who were sick or people who were dead, what did he do first? He He thanked God for God's presence, for God's power, for God's love. And then the healing took place. And that is, the, that is the consciousness that we should all be living in. And if you do, that's heaven within you. It's heaven on earth. You bring it to yourself, you bring it to others, you bring it to all. Because what is that another statement? What is heaven? Heaven for one means heaven for all. And that's Mrs. Eddie. Yeah, whatever blesses one blesses all. Yes, yes. And, you know, this goes on now to, in the Master's query, who are my brethren? Um, this is a article, Brotherhood, another one that Carrie sent from the 1914 issue of the journal. Our Master's query, who are my brethren, has been criticized as cold and hard by those who have not penetrated his meaning and who imagine that he repudiated his own people. But Jesus did not seek to exclude his mother and brothers from the limitless circle of divine intelligence, for he included all in the embrace of love. He sought, however, to lift the veil of ignorance and to give the world a new horizon of thought. A false concept of kindred was exposed and destroyed by the light of truth, enabling us to follow the higher vision of Christ Jesus into the realm of mind and to perceive something of the unity of God's children under one standard, that of spirit, where no imaginary divisions, the outcome of material calculations and deceptive data, mar the harmony of being. This is another man-made thing, this race stuff. God knows nothing of that. We're all equal in his eyes. We're all brothers and sisters. And thank God we're all different. For thank heaven's God sake. we're all different. 
I'll have the same potential to reflect them. Yes, we do. And when we see it, we bring it out in others, we experience it, and we must work because this, this, all this division and racial divide and all, all of it it is man-made theories and it's got to go. God never said it. It's not the truth. It is ungodlike. Ungodlike. Therefore, it is a sin and it can be destroyed. And it can and should be destroyed in the minds of each one of us. And this article goes on to say that the knowledge that by doing the will of God, we are within the haven where all shall be united and harmonious family renews courage and effort. And that's where we find each other in, in, in the Christ. Um, you know, it brings out, you can be with a family member and not have anything in common, um, you can be with someone you just met from across the world, and you both have a, a, have love, a, of God, a love of God, and yeah, you talk for hours. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's all about God in the midst and loving our brothers and sisters. And yes, we certainly love and do the best we can for our human family, absolutely, but we don't exclude others. We open our arms to everyone. And, and also in knowing that it is God that is your father and mother, then that excludes any kind of heredity belief, which many people struggle with, I think, because so-and-so had it, then you're going to have it too. Well, not when God is your father and mother. Impossible. And that, that prayer, the end of it said simplicity, meekness, and obedience. That simplicity is an important thing. Don't know a complicated theory about <laughs> whatever. Truth is not complicated, no. Very, or something, no. Yes. Um, and then also, this goes along. This is another article from Carrie. I forget the name of it, but anyway. But it says, because this all goes along with having the family of God, your father, mother being God. Loneliness is but a false claim of incompleteness and separation from God and his ideas. When one indulges a sense of loneliness, he allows a myth, a false belief, to obscure the true idea of home. He has strayed from the Father's house, the consciousness of the all-sufficient, ever-present divine love, and momentarily has lost sight of his true selfhood, as a beloved child of God. It is personal sense that experiences loneliness. Spiritual sense recognizes neither lack nor incompleteness. I think that's excellent. <laughs> because there again, your negative state of mind. One person, I mean, Jim lives alone, for heaven's sakes. You never met a happier person. Elsie lives by herself. She's as happy as the day is long. It's a state of mind, a state of consciousness. You're in that negative, um, you know, because you don't have somebody. You're miserable. Well, you won't. You'll be miserable because you don't have somebody. And it will continue until you stop and, and realize you're ignoring the presence and power of God, Emmanuel, God with you. And be happy with yourself when you get there. It's also proverbial. How many people are married, have huge families, and what? Are lonely. Miserable, lonely. It's lonely. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the worst form of lonely when you're it in a room is. full of people and you feel lonely. <laughs> I'd rather be by myself. Yeah, <laughs> and then Patricia, she wrote some beautiful things on the forum about that, um, which goes more to the end of the lesson about no longer to marry or be given in marriage, neither closes man's continuity nor his sense of increasing number in God's infinite plan. Signs and health. And Isaiah, I make her as thy husband. Herbert Eustace, the real marriage feast is the allness of mind and your eternal oneness with mind. And then Matthew, whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. That means we've all got some. And then Psalms, God said it, the solitary in families. And she puts church families. Well, and that's true. You're certainly all in our family, and that's for sure. So then, one more thing. Well, several more things, but probably one more thing. I have time to make sure I figure this all out. Um, and that is, there's so much good in these lessons. Go on and on. That is Linda. Your forum is beautiful. Go ahead. Okay. You can read it. All right. It starts with the quote by Mary Baker Eddy from Science and Health. Quote, the only intelligence or substance of a thought, a seed, or a flower is God, the creator of it. End quote. So that made me, um, I've been thinking about this one quote from the Blue Book about praying for children. And I, that's what came to thought. And I will read that now. And it's by Mrs. Eddy. Quote, to successfully treat children, cut off the parent thought. Man is the offspring of God, not man. The material birth is but the false conception. Realize that matter cannot transmit good or evil. It is inert, unintelligent, and cannot be the medium of intelligence. Seedless oranges are produced by turning the top of the parent plant back to earth. When rooted, disconnecting it. The offspring produces seedless oranges. Detach the thought of the child from the parent, and the germs of erroneous seed of the parent thought will cease to impress the child. End quote. And then I looked up some of the word seed, which is from the 1828 Webster's. Seed is that which from which anything springs, first principle, original, and then erroneous, is false, mistaken, not conformable to truth, erring from truth or justice, and then impress, to imprint, to stamp, to make a mark, to fix deeply. And then I went from there that I had been using this above line from Science and Health that I first read to cut off the germs of the erroneous seed of the parent thought and replacing it with affirmations such as the line above from the week's lesson in order that the lies will cease to impress the child. And I just love thinking about the seeds of God planted in the thought and writing on the tablet of our being. Thank you. And that's the true father, mother, the seed. In in the book, the little pamphlet, Metaphysical, Notes on Metaphysical Obstruction, Obstetrics, um, it's written about seed, and one thing it says 
um, the seed within itself is truth, mind and the expression of mind. Seed of God is the angels. Error has no seed. God is the sower, and his angels are the reapers. We are not going to plant any seed of error or evil. There is no such seed. The only seed is reflection. Remember that with children or planting seeds, only the angels are planting the seeds, only the seeds of reflection. Now, I could go on for a million years, but... We don't even have a bell here to ring, but Sharon Sharon is waving wildly to me. So Gary will end on another another beautiful article that Carrie sent. This is uh, from an article entitled, My Yoke is Easy, by May Louise Jacobs, uh, written in 1905. And she says, Though the yoke has, in the history of material man and beast, become the symbol of servility, Its true object is not to show subjection, but rather that the oxen may the better do the work of their master, may bear their burdens more easily than would be possible without it. So also, in its spiritual sense, the yoke is not a burden, but a means of lightening our burdens and enabling us to perform our duty as children of him whom we acknowledge as our father, the creator and life of all. When we take up the yoke of Christ, that is, when we give our obedience to truth with the right conception of life, the right understanding and estimate of all things, we find our strength increasing through the very act of submitting to this yoke, which our wearied senses in their ignorance had looked upon as an added burden. Our master, Christ, relieves us of the heavy weight of the yoke of selfishness and erring judgment, relieves us in proportion to our willingness and faithfulness of our burden of sins and diseases, anxieties and perplexities of mortal existence. Instead of these, truth offers us a share in the labor that is light with hope and satisfying in the certainty and fullness of its fruits. Even the labor of spreading the gospel of life and truth and love. And to help us in this work, we are provided with the easy yoke of obedience to the all-wise and unerring principle, love. You've been given the keys to paradise. (laughs) Thank you all for joining us today. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.